Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. And we've come upon another marvelous Sunday, another marvelous week, a very rich week this particular year in the great fast, the journey of repentance. And this Sunday is the Sunday of St. John Climacus. Next Sunday, we will celebrate the Sunday of St. Mary of Egypt. So we have a man and a woman. See how equal we are here? (laughs) We're not really PC. We're BC. We're Byzantine Catholic here. We have featured here this week St. John Climacus, as we do during this fourth Sunday during Lent. And the reason we do so is because he was one of the most sterling examples of what Lent is about, what we try to do, and that is a process, a struggle for asceticism, for holiness, warring against our passions. And St. John Chrysostom gave us a marvelous guide. It's called the Ladder of Divine Ascent, which in fact is really what happens in the spiritual life. We progress like everything else in life. Everything's progressed to the next greater level. St. John Climacus wrote down these steps towards holiness and perfection based on his life experience, and they're put together today in a book. It's available. It's called, very simply, The Ladder of Divine Ascent. It's available through the Holy Transfiguration Monastery from Boston, Massachusetts. The copy that I have is dated 2012, so it's a revised edition by the Holy Transfiguration Monastery in Boston, Massachusetts. It says here in this book that our Holy Father, St. John Climacus, loving God from his youth, took up the sweet yoke of the apostolic life, the life of philosophy, that is, the monastic life, as it was called in early centuries of Christianity, and through it came to divine vision and was deified. Being united, therefore, to the living God, he shares in his uncreated glory and energies and is shown forth a teacher and father not for his own time only, but for all centuries until the consummation of time. It is for this reason that we hope in the prayers and protection of the saints, and by doing so, do not contradict the psalmic verse, Trust you not in princes and the sons of men, in whom there is no salvation. 
For these holy ones are no longer sons of men, but rather in their love of God, they were united to the only begotten Son of God and became communicants, communicants of the divine nature. They no longer live, but rather Christ lives in them and they in him. Thus they have become sons of God, and by trusting in their intercessions and help, we trust in heaven itself, in the living God. Now, St. John Climacus, and Climacus refers to climber, in other words, because he wrote this wonderful guide of the spiritual life called the Ladder of Divine Ascent, you know, a climb, a climbing a ladder. He lived and struggled for a whole lifetime on the God-trodden mountain of Sinai, having entered the monastic struggles while a youth in his teens. You know, I often tell my teenagers, when God wants to get the job done, he often calls upon teenagers. For 40 years, he lived as a hermit at Thola, about five miles from the monastery. Later, he became the abbot of Sinai. At that time, the monastery erected by the Emperor Justinian, which stands intact to this day, was already in existence. It was built at the site of the burning bush and dedicated in those years to the transfiguration of our Lord. A Holy Father John stood in prayer, often below the great mosaic of the Holy Transfiguration, which is in the apse behind the Holy Table, and which can be seen to this day. He lived to the age of 80, having reposed in the Lord in the year 603. So a little bit of background. He entered as a teenager, and he wrote these stages of the spiritual life as though they were rungs in a ladder. So you ascend more and more higher and higher to holiness, or what we call divinization or deification. And the first rung, and it's very understandable, is renunciation of the world. That's step number one from St. John Climacus. And by the way, he was asked to write this down because they knew that he was such a great example of the spiritual life and he was getting older. So he was asked by the monks, write down the secret. How do you strive for holiness? What's the formula? So, St. John Climacus did the best he could by taking his experience, how he grew in holiness and wisdom, the spiritual life, and sharing that in these different rungs of the ladder. So, for this first step, our renunciation, he says, by worthless servants, we mean those who think of themselves as having been granted baptism, but have not faithfully kept the vows they made to God. By those estranged from God and alienated from Him, we mean those who are unbelievers or heretics. Finally, the enemies of God are those who have not only evaded and rejected the Lord's commandment themselves, but who also wage bitter war on those who are fulfilling it. Does all sound pretty familiar? Again, he's writing this back in the 7th century, especially this part about those who are baptized but have not faithfully kept the vows they made to God. That's a big one today, isn't it? People just get baptize and don't practice the faith or fall away so easily. Very common are young people, especially when they get to the young adult years. And yet, I'd like to remind them, many saints, just like John Climacus, young people, were called when they were young people, teenagers. John Climacus also says this, the irreligious man is a moral being with a rational nature who of his own free will turns his back on life and thinks of his own maker, the ever-existent, as non-existent. The transgressor is one who holds the law of God after his own depraved fashion and thinks to combine faith in God with heresy that is directly opposed to him. The Christian is one who imitates Christ in thought, word, and deed as far as is possible for human beings, believing rightly and blamelessly in the Holy Trinity. The lover of God is he who lives in communion with all that is natural and sinless as far as he is able, neglects nothing good. The continent man is one who lives in the midst of temptation, snares, and turmoil, 
and who is eager to imitate with all his might those who are free from turmoil. Monasticism is an angelic order and state achieved in an earthly and soiled body. A monk is one who holds only to the commands of God in every time and place and matter. A monk is one who constantly constrains his nature and unceasingly watches over his senses. A monk is he who keeps his body in chastity, his mouth pure, and his mind illumined. A monk is a mourning soul that both sleep and awake is unceasingly occupied with the remembrance of death. Withdrawal from the world is voluntary hatred of vaunted material things and denial of nature for the attainment of what is above nature. Now, this particular point here was very common in the Eastern spiritual masters that we think of death, think of our own death a few minutes out of each day. Just think about what that would do for us. And it raises the question, as does this whole season of Lent, are we prepared for death? Meaning, ultimately, not just dying, but judgment. In fact, two Sundays before Lent begins in the Eastern churches, as you probably know if you've listened to this program, we have the Sunday of the Last Judgment, which is also our Carnival, our Carnivali, our Mardi Gras, our Meat Fair Day in the Eastern churches, in which we remind ourselves of the fact that life is fleeting. We don't know how long we will live, and we have to be prepared for that judgment. John Climacus also said this in his rung of the ladder called Renunciation, But let us who are weak and passionate have the courage to offer our infirmity and natural weakness to Christ with unhesitating faith and confess it to him, and we shall be certain to obtain his help, even beyond our worth, if only we continually plunge to the depth of humility. Here's something for married people. Some people living carelessly in the world have asked me, we have wives that are beset with social cares. How can we leave the solitary life? John Climacus replied to them, Do all the good you can. Do not speak evil of anyone. Do not steal from anyone. Do not lie to anyone. Do not be arrogant towards anyone. Do not hate anyone. Do not be absent from the divine services. Be compassionate to the needy. Do not offend anyone. Do not wreck another man's domestic happiness. And be content with what your own wives give you. If you behave behave in this way, you will not be far from the kingdom of God. And he also said, let us charge into the good fight with joy and love without being afraid of our enemies. Though unseen themselves, they can look at the face of our soul. And if they see it altered by fear, they take up arms against us all the more fiercely. For the cunning creatures have observed that we are scared. So let us take up arms against them courageously. No one will fight with a resolute fighter. One more little bit of wisdom on this rung of renunciation from St. John the Climacus. He said, The man who has come to hate the world has escaped sorrow, but he who has an attachment to anything visible is not yet delivered from grief. For how is it possible not to be sad at the loss of something we love? We need to have great vigilance in all things, but we must give our whole attention to this above everything else. I have seen many people in the world who, by reason of cares, worries, occupations, and vigils, avoided the wild desires of their body. But after entering the monastic life, and in complete freedom from anxiety, they polluted themselves in a pitiful way by the movements of the body. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the wisdom of the ladder of divine ascent by St. John Climacus. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Before I return to our great spiritual master, St. John Climacus, whose feast day it is in relation to the Lenten Sundays in the Byzantine calendar, I just want to take a few moments here to address this whole coronavirus hysteria in relation to the Eastern churches. If there's any place that we should be during times of great calamity, and this is really not a great calamity, by the way. Yeah, it has its seriousness, but it's not a great calamity. When there are times of great calamity, the one place we should be is in church, not avoiding it. Churches should not be closed People should not be denied the sacraments and even funerals, as is happening in some parts of the world. In the year 9-11, that's right, the year 9-11, you heard me right, there was an event that occurred in the Byzantine church because there was a time of calamity then, like there is now, at least we think it's like a calamity. And there was disease, there was enemies at the door, there was earthquakes, and the people, rather than hunker down and hide, they packed the church. They packed the church. This was in Constantinople, year 9-11. And they prayed all night, an all-night vigil. And during that prayer, the Virgin Mary actually appeared and stretched her mantle over the city and preserved people from any harm from the calamities. During the Black Plague in Europe, the priests were instructed to continue to serve the people. In fact, some of the priests even got the plague and died, but they died as martyrs. The church is and should be there to serve people. 
It's the one place we should turn together when there are times of calamity. Imagine if every church was wide open 24-7 across the entire world, and it was jammed with people praying on their knees, prostrating, begging. There were confessions being heard. Anointing was happening, anointing of the sick, Eucharist being received, chanting and prayers. Can you imagine the power of that? If you're out in outer space, you'd probably see the earth glowing. That's what we should be doing, not running from these things. Because what does that say then? What does it say even even about us as church, shamefully? That we're not living by faith. We're living by fear. If there's anything that the Bible spoke most against, and even from the very lips of Christ, what he spoke most against was fear. Because fear is a way of ultimately denying God. It's really a, a slap at the first commandment, which is, I am the Lord your God. You will not have strange gods. And strange gods means anything to whom or which we invest power over ourselves, such as fear. And we act like it's all in our hands, like, gee, if we take these steps and everything will be fine, we can protect ourselves. Instead of, wait a minute, is this bigger than we are? Isn't it all the more reason to be close to Christ? And what better way to be closer than to be in church with the prayer of the church and the sacraments of the church. And that's what we did historically. Why is it different now? Except for the fact that maybe we're a faithless generation these days. And maybe that's what Christ is trying to expose here. It's rather providential that this coronavirus, and I call it hysteria because it is, and I'm not talking about reasonable, common sense kinds of concerns and measures so that, you know, viruses don't spread. We don't want anything to spread. We don't, we don't want a common cold to spread. And we know that during the winter time, there's lots of colds and flus that go around. They tell you, cover your mouth when you sneeze and wash your hands and so on. There shouldn't be anything exceptional for this. But when this happens, We have to ask ourselves, what is our fear about? Why are we so afraid? What are we afraid of? Well, in addition to just getting sick, we're afraid of dying. But should we be? See, Lent, and it's very providential that this happened during Lent, because Lent turns our gaze, especially in Eastern churches, as I said earlier, to our judgment, to the last judgment. You know, when when our bodies will be raised up again, Reunite with our souls, and if we are saved, if we're among the saved, we'll live gloriously with our bodies retransfigured, reintegrated as one, our bodies and souls together, whole persons again, living with Christ, the beatific vision, the participation in the life of the Trinity, our ultimate divinization, deification. That's what Lent helps us to focus on. And that's what this virus can help us focus on. We're afraid of dying. Why? Well, just because we don't want to die, but also judgment. Judgment follows death. So whether we live or die is not the point. The point is, are we prepared to die? And more importantly, are we prepared for our judgment? That is what Lent turns our gaze towards. And now this coronavirus and the fear of it should simply heighten that gaze, that concern, that focus on our own judgment. As we heard St. John Climacus say earlier, as we heard St. John Climacus say earlier, the thoughtfulness of death each day is a vital part of the spiritual life, of growth in the spiritual life. 
Let me tell you something else. In my particular church, when it comes to Holy Communion, we have communion of both species, bread and wine. The bread is a leavened bread, and it's in the process of the liturgy and the preparation of the liturgy, the pieces of bread get cut up from a single loaf. The center part becomes the host of the lamb. Those particles are consecrated and then placed into the chalice, which now has the consecrated wine, the precious blood of Christ. When you come up for communion in the Byzantine church, you come standing. You tilt your head back, open your mouth widely like a little bird in a nest, that's all. And the priest takes with a spoon a particle of the consecrated bread that is soaked in the consecrated wine, the precious blood. He simply drops it into your mouth. It doesn't touch your mouth with the spoon, and you don't touch the spoon with your mouth. But sometimes it does happen. Let's face it. Things don't always go perfectly, and the spoon may hit your mouth, your tongue, or something. It always happens. I'm not, not all the time, but it will always happen at most liturgical services. We just can't be perfect about it. But basically, the spoon doesn't touch your mouth. But regardless, at the end of the distribution of Holy Communion in the Byzantine Church, the priest puts the spoon that has been used for all the other communicants into the chalice and returns the chalice back to the table, which is next to the main altar. At the end of liturgy, it is the priest, or if there's a deacon, he'll do it, will consume all the rest of the Eucharist that might be in the chalice. And if there are a number of particles, he uses a spoon to take the particles out to consume them. So he puts the spoon back in his mouth after it has been around the mouths of the entire congregation. So wouldn't that mean then by today's scare and hysteria that the priest should be the sickest person in the world? That Monday morning I should be sick as a dog? But here I am, you're hearing me, and I'm there every Sunday. All the priests are there every Sunday. Yeah, once in a while we get sick, but not from Holy Communion. How could it be that we expose ourselves to all these mouths, we alone, and yet we're still here? What does that tell you about things? What does it tell you about their real nature? This is the body and blood of Christ. It's not a germ-carrying vehicle to poison us all. As a priest, I also have to anoint people. No matter how sick they are, sometimes they're very contagious diseases. They make you gown up and mask up when you go in, which I usually don't do anyway. And with my hand, they make you put gloves on. I don't wear the gloves because I'm going to anoint that person with my hand in the oil, not with a glove. I anoint them on their senses, including their mouth and nose, eyes, ears, chest, hands, feet. That's how you anoint, how you anoint the sick. Now, should I be very sick then? I've anointed people like that for 37 years as a priest. I'm still here. So what are we going to do? Not anoint people? Not bury them or give them communion, as is happening, and certainly in the country of Italy. Are we going to do that? That's living by fear, not by faith. So, yeah, we're reasonable if you're sick. Okay, don't come to church and contaminate people or just because it's, you're going to feel miserable. God understands. Keep your hands clean, and in general, just try to live healthy. That's it. But don't live by fear. Just a little bit more on St. John Climacus. He has a big section on obedience, very big, as you might well imagine, because he is, of course, a monk, and that is very big in the monasticism. And obedience is the next rung of the ladder, and he says this, Obedience is absolute renunciation of our own life 
clearly expressed in our bodily actions. Or conversely, obedience is the mortification of the limbs while the mind remains alive. Obedience is unquestioning movement, voluntary death, a life free of curiosity, carefree danger, unprepared defense before God, fearlessness of death, a safe voyage, a sleeper's progress. Obedience is the tomb of the will and the resurrection of humility. A corpse does not argue or reason as to what is good or what seems to be bad. For he who has devoutly put the soul of the novice to death will answer for everything. Obedience is an abandonment of discernment in a wealth of discernment. Lots on obedience with St. John Chrysostom. So if you can get the book, great, great read, a great one to have with you all your life. It's a classic, St. John Climacus, The Latter Divine Ascent. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Here's something new from EWTN Publishing. Overcoming the Evil Within by Father Wade Menenzes. Father Wade reflects on the reality, nature, and horror of sin and helps guide you in overcoming challenging issues, dependencies, and addictions. Highlights include what fear of the Lord really means, four consequences of every sinful act, how to perform an effective examination of conscience, how to hear God's voice in your life and respond to His call plus daily prayers to help you on your journey to sainthood. Overcoming the Evil Within, available now at EWTNRC.com. Buy Catholic. Shop EWTNRC.com. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.